Hey there, welcome back to the Men, Sex and Pleasure podcast. I'm your host, Cam Fraser. This is episode number 26. I'm talking all things masculinity, sexuality, male bodies and men's experiences of pleasure. And today I have the pleasure of talking with Lani Pavlovich. So Lani is a sex educator, lifestyle coach and sex positive journalist. She's made a name for herself as the go-to woman for a modern approach to sexuality and well-being bringing you not only her expertise, but connecting you to epic humans and ideas through her various channels. So this Aussie-based mum lady, word wizard, coach, influencer, and sexual badass found her passion helping couples, women, and men live better, more fulfilling lives in and out of the bedroom by embracing a sense of overall well-being and learning to push the boundaries of what's considered quote-unquote normal. Lani's mission is to get down and dirty to challenge society's views on sexuality, body image, and anything else people don't like talking about. Through connecting the dots between emotional, spiritual, social, intellectual, physical, and sexual well-being, Lani inspires others to live a better, more fulfilled, nourishing, and turned-on life. You can find Lani on Instagram at Lani Land and also at our website, which is LaniPavlovich.com. The premise of this podcast was a post that I saw Lani do on Instagram about a new offering that she has called Rate Your Rooster, where she, for a fee, invites men to send her images, pictures, photos of their genitals so that she can write a report for them about how to best use what it is that they've got, what God's given them, so to speak. Uh, So she gives advice and tips on positions Uh, based on length and girth and size and shape of your penis and um, just gives a whole bunch of really practical information, which is what this whole episode is really about. Lani and I talk about penis shape and size, um, curvature, length, girth, uh, specific positions to get into, ways to be sexual with your partner that really optimize your sexual experience based on your body and based on the the uh, tool that you're working with. So if you're interested in learning more about how you can have better sex based on your own anatomy, then this is the podcast for you. So enjoy. We know that once a person is perverted, it is practically impossible for that person to adjust to normal attitudes in regard to sex. Sometimes you hear that masturbation affects your mind or your manhood. It isn't true. And some people call the penis funny names like John Willie or something. But we call it its real name, penis. I'll invite you to just jump straight back into it, Lani. Whatever you feel like sharing with regards to you know, men and masculinity and sexuality and, and pleasure. It's all yours. Yeah, cool. So I suppose I've always had a fascination with sex. Even as a child, I think I was always fascinated by it in a different way to a lot of my friends and family as well. Um, You know, as a teenager, I would look at relationships and sexual encounters very differently to a lot of my friends. And uh, I suppose it just kept growing from there. Um, I decided to study journalism. I worked with a lot of sex positive companies and brands while I was within the media realm. And yeah, the interest just kept getting stronger and stronger because of that. Um, And yeah, then I kind of went on to do some specialty courses in female sexuality. Um, I did a little bit of nude yoga um, with the beautiful Rosie Rees um, and just kept building and building on my own experiences from there until I decided to get into psychological sciences and sexology and 
keep my studies going that way. Um, as far as my own experiences, though, unfortunately, like a lot of other women and men experience, I did uh, suffer through some trauma when I was a teenager as far as sexual assault and rape. Um, and it was within you know, my own friendship circle that it happened. So that kind of gave me a little bit of fear around men, particularly when it came to sex. Um, so that was something that I had to work on a lot. I had this image in my mind for a while that sex and men and just, it was not fun for me anymore, I suppose, as you can imagine. Um, but overcoming that actually shone a whole new light on how I viewed men and in relation to sex and relationships. And that's what got me excited to work with men as a coach now myself. And I find that there's just this huge miscommunication and misunderstanding when it comes to men and women and expressing themselves uh, in a sexual way. And I suppose that's a big part of what I want to do going forward is break these stigmas and, and help men and women find ways to relate to each other and connect on a level that is not scary and not um, surrounded in shame and fear and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, that's my experience. And now being a 33-year-old wife and mom and sex educator, I find that my own you know, view of sex and sexuality and my own sex life is just thriving because I've, I don't know, been able to go through all these experiences and, and really learn from them and, and come out the other end. So yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing. Um, and I guess I'm, I'm just following my own curiosity here. With regards to overcoming, you said, that trauma um, from your teenage years, how did your perception of men and sex change through through overcoming that trauma? Yeah, so I suppose, I mean, as a teen, I was always very much part of the the boy circle, right? So I was always friends with men. I was always hanging out with them and um the trauma I experienced um, was actually with a really good friend of mine. Um, so that was a whole nother level of shock that came with this for me. And um, yeah, for a very long time, I suppose I went down this route of, you know what, like, I don't give a fuck anymore. I'm just going to, you know, get my sexual power back by sleeping with as many men as I can and just, you know, not caring about them and not caring about the situation. And it was very toxic. and. Um, yeah, I kind of built up this almost hate for men in my teenage years, which was not a good way to be, you know, feeling about somebody or, you know, a group of people. Um, and it took a lot of work. It was actually when I met my now husband um, that I started to overcome these fears that I had about being intimate with a man in a way that was not just me kind of going, you know, wham, bam, thank you, man, kind of thing. So. It was about, um, I don't know, like building trust within myself again, um, learning to reconnect to my own body and my own sexuality and learning that it was not, I didn't need to hold all this shame inside of me and uh, you know, I wasn't unworthy of love because of these things that had happened to me. And yeah, really moving on from that. And I suppose as far as my views of men, went it was it was just it had to make a conscious choice to change the way I was seeing things and to stop just you know seeing everything at such a surface level and start going a bit deeper and you know really allowing myself to be vulnerable with men again to understand that no they're not all you know terrible creatures and uh, you know men are experiencing just as much I suppose fear and shame around sex as we are so 
yeah, it was like, it was definitely a process of just getting back in touch with myself and then allowing myself to get back in touch with men in a whole new way that helped me overcome all of this and helped overcome these um, thoughts I had around masculinity and this toxic masculinity that I had been shown. So, hmm. Was there, um, was there specific um, modalities or healing therapies or things that like really helped that transition for you? Yeah, I think so. I actually, this is how I came across um, the Yoni Pleasure Palace, right? So I started looking into crystals and the crystal wands and pleasure wands and stuff because this is something I had never, ever, ever looked into. Like I used to think that, you know, crystals and this and that was all hippy-dippy and wasn't for me. And it wasn't until I really had to step out of my own comfort zone and try something new that I was like, okay, well, let's just give it a try. And that really, really helped me get back in touch with my own body and my own sexuality because it was something that was definitely new to me, something that made me step out of my comfort zone for starters, which is where I like to say the magic happens. So yeah, that was definitely one route I went down. Self-pleasure. I had never self-pleasured in my life until I sort of was in my very late teens and after all this stuff had happened and actually getting in touch with myself and my body and my yoni, this was a huge healing force for me. Um, yeah. And then, like I said, I did a little bit of the, the nude yoga to try and break through a lot of the insecurities I had as far as loving and accepting my body again, um, finding worth within myself again. Yeah. And, and I suppose a lot of communicating with my husband. So when we first started having sex, I, it was so uncomfortable for me because I was still sort of getting over those thoughts in my head about men and sex. And so it was a lot of talking and a lot of slowing things down and um, just trying different things to, tr- to I get, get me out of my head and back into my body. So, yeah, it's, but it's amazing what doing things that are different can achieve. Yeah, yeah, I think you said, you know, pushing your comfort zone and getting out of your comfort zone. Yeah where that, that change and transformation happens. And I also think it's really you know, um, important to acknowledge that having a partner who's receptive to the needs that you have, which is you know, maybe to slow down, to kind of rewrite and challenge those old narratives and, and to do some of the um, healing work together is really important. You know, and that's, that's a big um, component, I suppose, to creating that relationship is having a partner who's willing to actually do that as well with you, right? Definitely. I was very, very lucky too. So my husband has always been what I like to call a very conscious man. Okay. So he's always been very in touch with himself and his body and his sexuality. And, um, and I never was as a, as a teenager. So for me, meeting him was just like, whoa, okay. So this is a thing like people actually like themselves. And, you know, so he taught me a lot and, um, was very patient with me at the start. And, uh, yeah, it was very, very, very important as part of my healing journey to have him there to support me through that. I, yeah, I don't know what I would have done if I would have been in the place that I am now, if he hadn't helped me through that. So beautiful, beautiful. And, and do you draw on your own personal experience in this journey that you've just shared with me when you do work with men? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that coming from this background has actually helped me do my job a lot better because I think that I've seen all sides of men, I suppose, all the different sides that there can be. So I think that that helps me to be able to relate maybe a little bit more. And 
I know some women I've spoken to who haven't quite overcome traumas that they have are still very much stuck in that, no, like men are bad or men don't understand women. And, and I think it's, it's really much, much deeper than that. I don't think that we should be saying men are bad because obviously they are not. It's just really the misunderstanding that we have when it comes to being able to relate and communicate about things such as sex. So yeah, I do think that my experiences have really helped me get a better understanding of why men do the things they do and why women do the things that they do as well and how we can actually come together to create some serious magic, really. Yeah, totally. And and speaking of uh, men particularly doing the things that they do, and, and one of the reasons why I reached out to you was um, the, the way you've turned something that a lot of men do, which is send unsolicited dick pics um, and, um, and turning that into a, a way to actually help uh, I suppose help guys right by by speaking about um, you know I guess by almost inviting it in right for um, as a service but then also speaking about like hey here's right here's what you're working with and now let's um, let's workshop how you can actually you know use that to your advantage and and to work with what you've got I loved that when I saw that post of yours I think it was an amazing idea and I still think it's an amazing idea um, and um, I'm wondering are you able to explain a little bit of like where that kind of came from and and um, yeah just for me I suppose you know that thing that men a lot of men do is you know sending those pictures and um, I just thought mm. it was really beautiful reframe uh, so I was wondering if you could speak into that a bit more yeah absolutely and um, it's funny because I suppose you know once again, there, there are things that some men do, and I don't want to categorize all men, obviously, but yes, the unsolicited dick pic seems to be a very popular thing for some men to do. And I've never really understood it. I mean, it's, um, it's one thing to engage in consensual sexting and fun with a partner or a potential partner where it is, like I said, consensual. And, um, but it's another thing to just send a picture of your cock to some random girl on Instagram that you don't know. Um, and being that I am a sex educator and a sex coach, I did get a lot of unsolicited dick pics come through to my message requests. And um, I used to get quite annoyed by it because I couldn't quite understand like, why, why are these men sending me these pictures? Like, what do they get out of it? And I suppose then my natural you know, curiosity kind of got the better of me. And I started overthinking, okay, well, what do they want from this? Why are they sending me these photos? How can I actually turn this around and make it something beneficial? And it was actually my husband one day who kind of joked about it. He's like, oh, you should just start charging for it. Like the girls on OnlyFans. And I was like, interesting, <laughs> maybe not quite like that, but yeah, maybe there is something here and I can create a service that is actually educational and informative and helps men to better understand their anatomy and therefore better understand how to use it to create more pleasure and have a better sexual experience with their partners. So that's kind of where the idea came from. And um, yeah, I, I got really excited about it. So I actually just put it all down on paper within about 10 minutes of having this conversation with my husband, put it out there. And I reckon within the first 24 hours, I had 20 men contact me, purchase the service and go through it. Um, and it's just been fantastic. It's actually ended up being my most popular service that I've offered in, um, in my whole business. So that's been really exciting. And the best part about it is that a lot of the men that are contacting me are in relationships and they are genuinely wanting to learn more about how to pleasure their partner. And being that I'm a woman, I think I always like to work with men 
from the perspective of, okay, I'm a woman, this is my perspective, because obviously I don't have a penis myself, I can't speak to what it feels like for a man, but I can speak to what it feels like for a woman. And uh, obviously men have different shaped penises, different sizes, um, you know, circumcised, uncircumcised. There are all these things that can actually change the way things feel for both the man and woman while we're engaging in sex. And I wanted to be able to help, yeah, men understand how they can have better sex by understanding their cocks. <laughs> yeah, the idea is, is amazing. And I love um, that you're speaking into it um, because I, I think it's, it goes under-acknowledged, this idea that, you know, there are plenty of different shapes and sizes and there's kind of this, at least I've noticed it in, um, in being in the sex education space that it's just kind of like, hey, here, do this particular thing or do this particular you know have sex this particular way and, and things will be pleasurable without really acknowledging the diversity of bodies and you know um even even not just limited to to cocks but people that maybe are a little bit overweight or maybe a little bit underweight a little bit bonier have a you know smaller bum as opposed to a bigger bum so things like this you know i, I think that goes under acknowledged is the diversity of bodies um and so to hone in on like the diversity of you know, shapes and sizes of, of penises. Um, you've mentioned, you know, uh, circumcision. circumcision. Um, and I think there's also like, you know, we can talk about length and girth. Um, we can also talk about if, if there's a, a curvature in it as well as something that yeah. don't necessarily recognize is that, you know, curvature is, is very normal and very natural. And um, and there's, uh, you know, there's, so things called Peyronie's, uh, Peyronie's disease, which is, you know, some calcification. Yeah on one side of the cock which causes it to bend when it's erect um so all these you know uh, beautiful shapes and sizes that all different types of penises come in i like to say penises are like snowflakes and that no two are no two are the same um and so I, I think really speaking into like what you've specifically got is such like a powerful thing to be able to do and and, and i don't really know of anyone else offering that type of service right of saying hey here's like what I've got, what, what can I do with this? You know, rather than just general advice, let's get really specific on like, okay, cool. Here's, you know, what you're working with. Let's, let's talk about what it feels like. And especially coming from a, um, a woman's perspective, right? Uh, perspective coming on the, the receiving end of, of those penises. You know, I'm, I can speak from, you know, a person who has a penis, like what feels good for, for me and, and other men that I've talked about. But, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm heterosexual. I don't have sex with people with penises. So I don't know what it feels like to be on the receiving end. Um, and that's why I think it's really important to have um, someone like yourself, a woman who, you know, is heterosexual or, you know, um, you know, who does have sex with men to be like, hey, here's what it feels like when you do this particular thing or here's what it feels like when you don't do this particular thing, for example. Um, so I'm, I'm, um, yeah, I'm super keen to just jump into that that whole conversation and, and explore kind of where it goes. I'm wondering what are some what are some um, differences in in shapes and sizes that that maybe you've seen or that you uh, are, uh, that you know that you can speak into. Yeah, so I think well, first of all, the most interesting thing that I have discovered from this whole process is that men don't really know that there are so many different types and shapes, just as there are with, you know, women have different shaped vaginal canals and even our, you know, our vulvas are all different. So too are men's penises. And I think that people are very unsure of how there's, you know, rates as far as everyone else's. But I think that we're looking at it the wrong way when we think about it like that, because every penis can do a really good job of providing an orgasm for the woman that they're with assuming that they understand how to use it best. And um, yeah, so I, I guess 
from what I've seen so far, from what men have sent through, I've had men, a lot of men with curved penises actually, and a lot of men asking, is this normal? Um, you know, is it normal to have a curve? And obviously some curves are greater than others. You've got, you know, penises that sit quite upright when they're erect as well. Um, you know, as far as what is, I think that there's like seven different types according to some and nine different types of anatomy for a man according to other researchers. And um, so I kind of play on that a little bit and, you know, we'll give them advice based on, okay, so you have a very, let's just say long, thin penis. Okay. So, you know, this is the typical shape. This is your size. Here are some positions that will work really well for you. Here are some positions that you might want to avoid. Um, you know, if you've got a lot of length, but not a lot of girth, there might be certain, you know, ways that you can use your penis as far as like thrusting, speed, depth, that will either pleasure the woman a little bit more or cause a little bit of pain, you know. So all these sort of aspects go into what I will provide as far as feedback goes. And it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, there's literally, I've had all different shapes and sizes come through to me so far. And I think it's actually really cool because it's nice to know that your penis is normal for starters, because some people will send a photo through and be like, oh, you know, I don't really know if if my penis is normal. You know, it's a bit thick at the bottom, but thin at the top or vice versa. You know, what do I do with it? And yeah, the the amount of interest that men have in finding out has been really beautiful as well. Like they're really, really excited to find out how to better use this to increase the pleasure within their sex life. And um, yeah, I've, I've, I've really had all sorts come through so far. So it's been really fun. I think that that question, am I normal, is like plagues a lot of men's minds. And, and I think yeah. people in general, I think you know, people want to know that they're normal and that it's okay what, they, what they've got, you know, whether it's a, a penis or, a, or the, the size of their tummy or, you know, their breasts or whatever it might be. I think there's like that that question like am I normal is this okay is something that is quite deep for a lot of people and um, and you know particularly for men around size that's a big thing is um, I get a lot of guys send me messages um, fortunately not unsolicited pictures um, but they're they're always asking me what can I do to be bigger I want to be bigger and um, and I and and the thing that comes to mind is is length right they just want they just want length they're, they're not worried about girth necessarily they're not worried about um, you know any other type of shape they just want they just want length like that's their big thing and um and you know there's uh, there's so much to be said for like body positivity in that regard you know and um and I, I know there's a whole conversation we could have around like cock shaming and things like this but i think like just that self-acceptance piece is such an important um foundation for then like going okay there's nothing i can do about what i've got let's like love what i have and now then when that that self-love's there okay how can i then use what i have and and lovingly use what i have in and uh, in a way that's pleasurable for my partner so i think there is like a really um unacknowledged piece there which is like men really do care about their partner's pleasure they're just not really sure how to go about it um so uh, you spoke about you know um long and thin and i think there are like um some people have spoken about seven different types of male anatomy i, I know like the um there's like the nine uh, anatomy types as well with regards to um, vulvas which is you know and then there's uh, people like you know um, vatsyana and the kama sutra and some other people talk about like the 
ideal compatibilities between those two as well. You know, that there's ones that'll work um, where it's really, really easy. The fit between those two is really easy in like that heteronormative way. Um, but then there's other times where, you know, you, there's specific things to be aware of um, with regards to what you're working with and maybe what your partner's working with. So, yeah, super fascinating um, combinations to, you know, and, and I think that's the beauty of like being human is that there's, there's all these different ways of exploring your body and, and all these different types of bodies. And um, something that I often speak to guys about is like, um, you know, when you, because a lot of guys ask me about length, is like when you're being penetrative um, and you're, you know, a lot of guys think that the deeper they go and the harder they go, the better the sex is, the more pleasure that their partner will experience. And so I, I often do a lot of educating to guys around like, well, you know, the majority of the sensitive, um, pleasurable receptors in the in the vaginal canal and the vagina is like in the first third of the vagina, towards the vulva, towards where there's a lot of engorged um, tissue, erectile tissue in the in the vulva. And so, you know, these guys that are wanting to go really deep and really hard and really fast, and that want a longer cock to be able to do that, are um, oftentimes forgetting about or bypassing all of those really pleasurable sensory receptors in the in the first third of the the vagina and oftentimes a lot of women again i speak from you know a a male perspective here find that um find that cervical um touch is quite sore is quite tender if they haven't done any work around the cervix so for guys that are you know going really deep and trying to go really hard um they might even be causing some pain to their female partners as well so i think that's like a really important thing to to talk about and it, has that been something that you you educate men around uh, as well oh yeah that's actually it's funny because everything you just said then is it pretty much sums up the feedback that i get or the the questions that men have as far as when they first contact me so i think that yeah men want a long penis and i think we have porn to to blame for this i think that you know we look at porn and we see these huge dicks right and we see these perfectly shaped vaginas and it's just not, you know, normal, is it? It's, it's not the the norm. Um, and yeah, like you said, I think that women, what well, women and men, both of our sensitive bits are right at the very tips, right? So for men, it's obviously the the underside of the the penis there at the head, and for women, it's just a few centimeters in. So having a shorter penis is not necessarily a disadvantage to you. And I think that, um, like you said, men will typically think that that, you know, hard and fast is quite pleasurable for the woman because perhaps maybe it is quite pleasurable for them. But we work in such different ways and our bodies are so, you know, almost the opposite. Whereas if you want to go quite deep, you really need to slow things down and and be very careful and aware of the fact that, yes, you will bump into that cervix and it can cause pain if you do that quite hard and quite fast. Um, and you know, certain positions are going to, if you have quite a long penis, certain positions are going to cause quite a lot of pain for your partner. Um, yeah. And that's the, the very first man who purchased this service and who went through this process with me had, was very well endowed and he'd been with his partner about three years and they'd been really struggling to have um, pleasurable sex because it was always very painful for her. And I think that their communication stream wasn't entirely open. So she was maybe finding it a little bit challenging. She didn't want to hurt his feelings perhaps by expressing that it was, you know, what he could do differently. And he was at his wits end. He was like, I just, 
I don't want to keep going like this. You know, I, I can't make her calm. I feel really, you know, bad and, and demasculated almost. Um, so I sort of gave him some advice as far as, well, maybe switch it up, try these positions instead or go a little bit slower, don't thrust quite so deep. And the feedback I got about a week later was that, you know, she'd had her first orgasm in over 12 months while they were having penetrative sex. And that was really exciting for me because it shows that, you know, when a man or a woman, anyone really is interested in educating themselves on how to better be with their partner, then you can get so many benefits from that. And um, touching on the body image thing as well, I, I actually, I love that you said that because what I have found is that women are very self-conscious about their entire body almost, right? Men are very self-conscious about their penises. And, and like we said, maybe that is because of porn. Maybe they're used to seeing something that doesn't look like them. Um, so yeah, really breaking that stigma that there is a right or wrong or, you know, bigger is better or shorter is bad. Or, you know, it's, it's really just not true. It's, it's all about how you use it and how you can engage in an energetic exchange with your partner as well, rather than just going in and pounding and, you know, that's the end of it. So yeah, I think that that's what I love being able to give to these men who engage in this service is that, you know, reassurance that, yeah, there's, there's nothing wrong with your dick. You know, it's, it's perfectly fine. And, you know, once you learn how to use it to better pleasure your partner, you're going to have a fantastic sex life. You know, it doesn't need to be longer. It doesn't need to be thicker. It doesn't need to be anything else than what it is. You just need to learn to work with what you've got. Yeah, totally, totally. And there's, there's a lot to be said for positions, I feel like, as well. Like if you're um, – something that I often tell guys is – to circle back to you know the first third of the the vagina, the vaginal canal is like the that that G spot, the the engorged area you know on the um, anterior wall of the vagina is like you know, perfect spot to to stimulate right and um, you know, analogous to uh, the we talked about the frenulum a little bit earlier, the really sensitive spot on the guy's um, guy's cock, and it's like you know, if you're uh, I've got actually props in front of me because I was like oh I love it I need to use. Props explain this a bit better but if you're um if you're you know just penetrating and it's just you know in and out um you know in a quite linear kind of you know horizontal direction then you're you know yeah you're you're stimulating and and you're you're touching some areas of the of vagina and some areas of your cock but you're missing for the most part that that g-spot right which is you know on the upper wall of the of the vagina and so if it's just you know in an in and out motion that thrusting in and out like a like a piston like a machine um yeah there's a lot of friction and, and it might feel good for you but that usually isn't super pleasurable for for you know a female partner and so something i i tell guys is instead of um you know going backwards and forwards and thrusting in and out with your hips try tilting the hips and kind of rolling the hips and and you know so that when you're when you're tilting your hips upwards like tilting the hips towards your chin for example your cock will start to press up a little higher into the top wall of the vagina and when you're slowing down and when you're not thrusting so deeply as well you actually get you know the head of your cock pressing up against the the g-spot of the of, of your female partner which is way more pleasurable, especially if you're slowing down and there's a lot of lubrication involved, and you're actually, you know, trying to trying to experience pleasure together in that way. Like it's it's um, at least that's what I tell guys, and that's been my experience. Has that been something that you know um, from from your position is is something that's yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. No, I think that as far as a woman goes as well. So, you know, yes, we've, we've got the G spot there. We've got the cervix in the back. We've got our clip, like we've got all these beautiful nerve endings in the, in, in our vulva as well. So the outside, um, the lips, all of that. And so I think that, yeah, a lot of times we miss out on so much pleasure because we do just go for what we know, which is in, out, in, out, in, out. And we're missing all of these beautiful spots that we could be stimulating. And um, I think that when you do slow it down, when you do create, I, I tell them the same thing. It's almost like a grinding motion rather than that thrusting motion. Yeah, You can stimulate so much more. And um, one particular um, position that I will tell almost any man with any shaped penis to do is to, when when the woman's on top, have her lean into him so that she's also grinding on him and stimulating her clit at the same time or, you know, any position where you're sort of body to body rather than, you know, separated a bit more is going to be really good at like, you, you will be going in nice and deep. But yes, like you said, if you're angling that right and if you are rubbing on those other areas, you're going to create all this new kind of pleasure for both of you. And um, yeah, I think that maybe in today's society, we just get so used to that wham, bam, thank you, ma'am sort of mentality of go fuck finish that we forget to slow down and enjoy all these moments of pleasure that we can have and um yeah so there's just, there's just so much we can do isn't there when it comes to sex and it's it's wonderful when people want to educate themselves about that yeah yeah i think um the position that i have found um just to speak into like that body to body position with the angle with the grinding is and it almost comes from like that tantric way of lovemaking, which is the yab yum position, right? Of of the male partner, you know, sitting in a kind of cross-legged lotus position, woman on his lap. Um, and then you've got that body to body, you've got the angle because of the way that you're sitting. Um, and and the female partner who's usually on top is able to grind as well. And it's a it's a um yeah, I know it's a position that's talked about a lot in you know tantric lovemaking and and neo tantric kind of workshops. But it really you know when you start to break it down in terms of the mechanics makes a lot of sense. You know, um, and I think that's yeah. um, I, I love that as well is is bringing like the the reason behind things because we can say look you know this is the tantric lovemaking position this is what you need to be in and like all these other positions in the Kama Sutra for example. But it's like let's think about it logically and break down the reason why you might want to try that position is because you know this is where you're stimulating it's you know you're stimulating this new area you're, you're adding in a little bit of novelty and variety and you're adding in all these other things and um, when you start doing that usually the sex is, tends to be better you know if we if you're, you're communicating and, and you're able to actually have those types of conversations and and with the intention of exploring pleasure and and tapping into that curiosity um so there's um also, uh, yeah, a really important point, which is like the like clitoral stimulation, right? Like a lot of, um, uh, I think I, I forget what the percentage is because it, it ranges from like sixty to eighty percent or whatever it might be of women um, can't orgasm from from uh, vaginal penetration alone, right? From uh, yeah, vaginal yeah. sex, and there needs to be some sort of clitoral stimulation as well. And and if you're just going in and out, thrusting like a machine, you're you know, you're not getting any clitoral stimulation, so you're completely bypassing another huge pleasure center um in the female genitals and um so other than other than grinding right which could be for someone who's maybe a bit more well endowed could be quite painful for a woman to um to get to the point where she is pressing up against maybe his pubic area to grind um there's you know the the uh, the invitation needs to be there to maybe use a hand or to use a toy or to use you know something other than um something then rather than just nothing right and um yeah, yeah. Like, like in terms of feeling 
like a man in the bedroom, I think a lot of guys um, aren't willing to admit that you know, if she does start touching her clitoris or she does use a vibrator on her clitoris or whatever it is, um, that it, it has a bit of a blow to the, to his ego and that you know he, he feels a little bit less manly because he can't quote unquote make her come just from his from his dick alone. And I'm, I'm wondering, do you talk about clitoral stimulation a lot with these guys? Yeah, actually, it's I love that you brought that up because, um, uh, well, first of all, the recent study that I looked at said that, what is it, 18% of women say that they can climax from penetration alone, which means that what the other, however many, 72 or something percent need clitoral stimulation. And a lot of women that I work with, that's exactly what they tell me. They cannot come from penetration. They need to be stimulated on their clit. So this is actually a big part of the report that I provide to the men is um, one, breaking down that stigma that you mentioned about, okay, well, if I can't get her off with just my dick, then I'm not a man. You know, it's, it's, it's a silly stigma that has been created because there are, and there are a few reasons why. So I always encourage when I'm talking about different positions, okay, so maybe lean back and either ask her to play with herself or you play with her while she's leaning back, for, for example, or, you know, using your hands a little bit more getting all parts of your body involved in the sexual experience. Like it doesn't just need to be penis, vagina, and that's it. You know, sex is so diverse and we need to make it more diverse to create more pleasure. So a lot of what I talk about when it comes to positions is about, okay, get the clitoral stimulation happening. Um, Also lubrication. I want to bring that up now because in that stigma of not being manly enough also comes the fact that, okay, well, I don't, if I have to use lubrication, then, you know, I'm not doing my job because she's not excited or or whatever it might be. But there are so many reasons why a woman might not be producing her own lubrication. So in the report, I also suggest, you know, always use lubrication when you're starting. Um, You know, especially if this is say with, you know, a, a date that you're not used to or someone that you've not been with before, um, that is not, a sign that you can't get her excited. It's just that some women can't get lubricated very easily or very quickly. And it might take a little bit longer for them to start producing their own juices, so to speak. Um, So trying to, I suppose, add in there all these things that men think about when they are going into a sexual experience, like, you know, is my penis long enough? Is it thick enough? Lubrication, clitoral stimulation, all of these things and adding them together to so that the entire pleasure experience can be better for both men and women whilst also breaking some of these myths about, you know, what should or shouldn't get a woman off or a man off. Mm, totally. Yeah. That's a amazing insight as well as the lube. And I think there's like stigma around lube in general. I think, you know, Oh yeah. Um, haven't, you know, spoken to a lot of women about this, but I imagine that there's probably some, some shame around not being able to get wet enough and having to use lube as well. Right. Um, from a woman's perspective, I assume there's probably some, some, a stigma around that as well. So yeah, just normalizing using lube, normalizing, using maybe a vibrator as well when you're being sexual, like, um, there's plenty of, um, plenty of toys out there and things that I like specifically recommend is, um, like a cock ring that's got a vibrator in the in like the top of it and it's got like a little um i suppose nub on the end of it so when you're being penetrative and you know you're able to 
um, have your partner kind of press up against your, you know, the, the base of your cock, the, the, the pubic bone, you've got a little, you know, vibrator already there just attached to your, um, attached to the base of your cock. And that can be a really beautiful way of like incorporating that. And you've still got all your hands free. No one's having to have a hand down there, which can sometimes get a little bit awkward as well. So, you know, there's heaps yeah. of innovative ways to, to incorporate clitoral stimulation and other types of, um, yeah, other types of stimulation, novel types of sensations as well, which can usually elicit, um, you know, heightened states of pleasure. Um, there's, there's, um, things we've talked about so far as like the, um, if someone's like quite well endowed and, and it's quite painful to, to go deep. There's also like, if there's, um, if there's, uh, quite long but not a lot of girth as well there's some specific positions to to and some things to be aware of what are some other common um shapes and sizes that maybe you've seen and that you you can speak into yeah so i think one of the most common um has been that curve so what we'd call maybe the banana shape or the pony man shape um so what I'd like to do is show men that they can actually use that curve to their advantage. So, um, you know, by positioning yourself, for example, let's say the man is lying down and the woman's on top, but turn to the side so that she's kind of getting the curve to go up towards her G spot. Um, positions like spooning from behind. If a man's got a penis that kind of goes quite upwards when it's erect, going from behind and spooning will hit that kind of G spot as well. So it's all about working with what you've got as far as which direction your curve goes and finding a way to fit that quite nicely within the vaginal canal so that you are creating, you know, like, like you said before, you're getting that engorged spot and you're actually hitting those places that will create more pleasure. Um, I think another common shape would be, you know, um, quite a smaller, uh, sorry, not smaller, quite a shorter, thicker penis. So a lot of men that I've seen have got really thick penises, but they are quite short. Um, and I found a lot of the insecurities that I have seen with this work so far mostly come from men with that shape of penis. Um, and I think once again, like we said, it's because they don't have the length. They feel that they are missing out perhaps, or they're not going to be able to pleasure their partner as well. But a shorter, thicker penis has actually got a bit of an advantage as far as the fact that like we said, all of those nerve endings are really quite shallow. So you're able to hit them a lot easier than someone who may have a longer, thinner penis would be able to. So it's, um, yeah, I'd say that that would be a very common shape that I see. The curve would be a very common shape. And then men who perhaps do have quite, quite large penises and really aren't sure how to manage them better. Um, yeah, and I guess it's just with all of them, providing them with information on positions that are going to work for them. So, you know, if someone has got a shorter, thicker penis, I might not suggest that they are, you know, trying to do things like a standing position, for example, where it requires a little bit of length because of the, the way that you're both positioning yourselves. Um, spooning as well might not be something that I would recommend to someone with quite a short penis because you're not going to, you know, be able to hit all those spots. It's, it's going to keep coming out. Um, whereas there'll be other positions with a woman perhaps on her back and her legs quite well spread and you can get nice and close and use your girth to actually stimulate all of those beautiful nerve endings at the entrance of the vulva there as well. So yeah, it's, it, 
it's just a matter of working with what they've got, isn't it? It doesn't matter what they've got. It's just finding something that will work for them. Yeah, totally. And and what about with regards to um, something I share with guys is like getting familiar. And I, I usually encourage them to do this by investing in like a flashlight or investing in some sort of like masturbatory aid so they can get a feel, like a literal feel for what might be overstimulating for them, what might be um, not so stimulating so that they don't um, come quickly pretty much is is the reasoning for that. So do you, do you ever provide information about positions which, which might not be so stimulating for them so they might be able to last a little bit longer? As far as this service goes, I haven't gone quite into that much depth yet. Um, however, I do provide a bit of an activity at the end of the report that is a conscious touch activity that will help men sort of gain control over their climax because that is the other thing that I am questioned about quite a bit from men. When I work with men, it's either how to pleasure a woman or how to slow down climax. So eventually I'd like to, now that I've seen how popular it is and how beneficial it has been for the men that I have worked with, um, I'd like to really expand on the Rate Your Rooster service and include a lot more information like that. Um, But yeah, I think that it's actually, yeah, a really good point that there are definitely, like, for example, doggy style is a position that a lot of men will go to if they want to come quicker, right? I think that it must be very stimulating, I'm assuming, um, based on the feedback I've received or even my own sexual experiences. Whereas um, doggy style for a woman might actually be quite hard for them to get off in that position unless they are stimulating their clit as well. Um, yeah, so it's actually a really good good point and I'd, I'd like to include some more of that information for sure amazing yeah yeah there's um i think there's so much value at least in breaking down and something that i'm planning on doing is breaking down more stigma with regards to male sex toys because there's so much you can learn about your own pleasure and about what gets you off and what is maybe hyper stimulating versus not so stimulating with regards to yeah just using toys um, and then incorporating those toys into the bedroom as well like we've kind of already spoken about with regards to maybe a, a cock ring vibrator or just a vibrating wand in general um something that i've had a little bit of experience with but it's not something that pops up a lot and i'm wondering if maybe you've noticed it or, or had to deal with it is um guys that have some shame around their or just lack of acceptance around their um testicles and around their their balls and what that what that looks like for them and, and whether they're happy with it or not is that something you've you've come across not a lot however um there have been a couple of men who have sort of messaged me and sort of asked questions about how do i sort of broach the subject with my partner about playing with my balls during sex because it must be quite a sensitive area i'm assuming for men um and yeah so it's, it's not something i've really delved into myself, mostly because being a woman, not having balls myself, I, I really can't speak to the sensation. So I suppose when I work with men, I always try and keep it in relation to what I can actually tell them from my perspective and my pleasure perspective as well, um, or from the woman's perspective, I should say. So yeah, it's um, there is definitely a stigma around that. And, and, and anal play as well for men, I think has been a huge thing that um, probably more so than than testes has come up is anal play and men and how to broach that subject and how to sort of start engaging in that and and as you said maybe toys are a great way to start with that respect as well but um, there are so many stigmas aren't there when it comes to both male and female sexuality and uh, it's awesome to talk to people like yourself who are also very keen on breaking a lot of them so yeah yeah there's a um 
Yeah, there's been like a um, a bit of a influx, I suppose, or, or a surge in people that are like wanting to learn a little bit more about their bodies and and sexuality and pleasure, and um, and so because of that, a lot of these myths, I suppose you could call them, more stigmas or taboos around sex and pleasure and bodies has come to the surface. And um, so I think it's like a really amazing time to be able to like really hone in and speak into those myths and be like, you're totally normal if you've got, you know, um, one testicle that hangs lower than the other, for example, or you're totally normal if you want to explore and experiment with anal penetration, or you're totally normal if you've got a, you know, a slight curvature to your cock, you know, there are all these things that we don't really get to see in others. Like our only reference point is porn, right? For, for a lot of people, in fact, and or maybe even a few Hollywood movies as well. I know, you know, porn can get a bad rap in, in that sense, but there's a lot of like, um, there's a lot of like, uh, this is what normal is supposed to be, you know, in terms of like the media that we're consuming. And then our friends back that up because they're consuming the same media. So yeah. when we ask them what's normal, they are just getting the same messages from the same movies and videos that we watch. So there's, um, there's a lot of like, if you don't fit in this narrow category of what your penis looks like, of what sex looks like, of what you do specifically when you're being sexual, of how to be uh, a sexual man or whatever it is, then um, then you're like, oh my God, something's wrong with me because I, I don't do that or I want to do this instead. And that doesn't really get me off, but this really gets me off. And so like normalizing is a huge part of actually what I do. And I, I presume it's probably a huge part of what you do as well is just like normalizing diverse bodies and also normalizing diverse experiences as well. Just being like, look, that's totally fine if you want to do that. And you know, it's important to acknowledge that in yourself and kind of accept that in yourself so that then you're able to then broach that with a partner who probably has the same stories about what sex is supposed to look like as well. And so they've got to have their beliefs and narratives challenged and um, and so that's that's a lot of the work that I do as well as like helping men broach those conversations and um, and w- what I kind of refer to as um, being a sexual leader, right? Not leadership in the assertive, dominant way that we kind of think that hierarchical way of leading, but more of like a horizontal leadership of like almost like leading by example, leading by being vulnerable, going, hey, I'm, I'm wanting to learn more about my body here. I'm actually wanting to maybe do a little bit more with my body and, and you know, I want to really invite you into that space with me is the type of like leadership that I, I suppose I, I try and teach guys. And um, and so part of that is just like challenging your own myths and narratives and, and what you perceive sex and pleasure should look like um, for you. And um, one of the things that I have more recently actually, which is quite surprising, another thing that's popped up which we haven't spoken about is um, pubic hair and what pubes, you know, um, how much you should have. I know it's probably more so um, on the female side with regards to, um, you know, should there be, you know, should there be pubic hair or not because of everything that's kind of happening in porn. But, you know, a lot of the male actors in porn as well don't have any pubic hair and they're all kind of clean shavens like babies as well. So um, I've had a couple of guys ask me, you know, can I write a post on, pubic hair and what it's there for and is it desirable and should we keep it i'm wondering have you had to speak into that with the guys that you've um, worked with yeah actually that has been a big thing so i think it has almost been 50 50 as far as what i've been sent through so far as to who has and who hasn't got pubic hair and it is a question i get asked a lot is you know but i always get it asked from the perspective of what do women prefer do women prefer men shaved or unshaven and it's kind of like, well, what do you prefer? You know, what feels good for you? Because it's, um, 
I, I don't know, and I only speak for myself here, but for me, it, it, I, I couldn't care either way uh, as far as, you know, if the man I was with had pubic hair or didn't. Um, but yeah, it comes back to that body image thing again, doesn't it? Where we are so caught up in comparing ourselves to other people and to wondering what is normal that we stop thinking about what we actually want and what feels good for us or what we enjoy looking like. And um, yeah, it's, it's almost crazy, isn't it? Just how many things we think about, like when it comes to sex and sexuality, body image, body acceptance. And, um, and I think, yeah, it's, we don't really have many people that we can turn to as well, being that sex is still such a taboo topic other than people like you and I that are sort of sex educators or within this realm. Like it's very hard to talk to friends about things like this. And I think men probably experience that more so than women. Women are generally better at kind of opening up a little bit to friends about things that might be worrying them as far as body image or sexuality. Whereas men, I think there's still this, um, I guess a stigma again attached that men have to be masculine and have to, you know, they, they can't talk about these things openly, which is just, yeah, it's just untrue and something I suppose is going to be a work in progress to change. Mm. I, I have a, a, a question because this has been something that I've, um, haven't really explored too much. I'm wondering if you'd be able to speak into it is, um, let's, let's use that, that pubic hair example. Um, and these guys going, what do women prefer? And, and you kind of reframing it, what do you prefer? But I'm also then thinking when you're in a relationship, is it important and valuable to ask what your partner prefers as well? Because uh, again, if I, if I kind of expand my thinking on this, it's like, um, and I'll maybe dig myself a hole here, but I'm happy to do that, is um, with regards to like women and um, like leg hair or underarm hair, for example. And I know there's a, a bit of a movement now to say, well, it's natural. Why do we need to, why do we need to shave it off? It's for me. It's not for, not from, not for any uh, man or not for, you know, for someone else. Um, but then in the context of a relationship, is there, is there a, a conversation to be had about, and well, actually, I find this more attractive or I find this less attractive to, you know, considering body hair and, and pubic hair um so is it is it a uh you know a, is there a line to to kind of draw with regards to doing this for you and you being comfortable with your own body and also then asking your partner you know do you like this in terms of you know, i'm thinking then in terms of like weight or in terms of facial hair as well in terms of like your appearance um because you also want to be attractive to your partner I, I i presume that's my desire in my relationship is to still be attractive and um, to my partner. And although there's like a, yeah, I'm, I, I'm still attracted to you kind of regardless of what you look like, there's still an element of like, well, I know what you find attractive. Um, for example, facial hair um, in my relationship, I know Edwina prefers me with a beard and I, thankfully I prefer myself with a beard as well. So there's not a lot of conflict there. Um, but is there a, is there a conversation to be had in, in that context as well? Yeah, I think that's a good point actually. And it's interesting because I would agree with you that what, well, I think it all comes down to communication, doesn't it? When you're in a relationship, communication is such an important part. And I think like anything else, you should be able to communicate openly and honestly about things such as appearance and, and preferences and whatnot. It goes the same as in the bedroom. You should be able to talk openly and honestly about desires and what you want to try, fantasies, that kind of thing. So yeah, I think that if you're a single man or a single woman and you're just going about your business and hooking up and that's kind of where you're at in your life, do what feels good for you. If you're in a long-term relationship, yeah, maybe have that conversation because 
there is definitely, well, I'm the same. I prefer when my husband grows a little bit of a beard. He, he struggles. He can't get it to your length. It just, it doesn't happen. He's Mexican and for some reason ended up with no hair. But, um, but I like it better when he still keeps a little bit of stubble. And, you know, I will joke with him about that when he does shave it off, that he looks like a 15-year-old boy and things like that. And I think that when you're in a relationship, particularly a long-term relationship, where you've got that level of comfort and trust and, and you know that everything is said from a place of love, then yeah, have those conversations. Like I know, you know, my hair, for example, I know Pablo loves my long hair. So it would definitely be a conversation I'd have to have if I wanted to go snip it all off. And I I wouldn't just do that without saying like, hey, I'm thinking of maybe cutting my hair. What do you think? Because yeah, you do want to be attractive for your partner and you do want to be, well, you want to feel your best as well. And I think that when you're having sex, for example, there's already so many things that can go through our heads that you don't want to be also thinking, well, does he or she find me unattractive now because of X, Y, Z, whether that be pubic hair, facial hair, body hair, or whatever else. So yeah, I do think that those conversations should probably happen just as anything else within a relationship should be discussed. Maybe they should be too. Mm, totally. Yeah. I um. Yeah. Thank you for speaking to that because it's just been on my mind, and I was like, well, maybe there's a. Com- We've probably both dug ourselves a hole now by saying that. <laughs> right. I know. Yeah, we're gonna. Someone's gonna. My fiance's gonna listen to this. And be like, oh, yeah, you put me in it. So, um, <laughs> I, um I, I'm also curious with regards to like this um, like belief that I think guys have, you know, and, and it circles back to like that bigger is better belief. But you know, this idea, this that that question, you know, what do women prefer? As if like all women prefer, you know, one specific thing. As if it's like a universal preference, um, as opposed to something being like quite personal. Uh, and I and I know a lot of guys because I've spoken to a lot of guys about this think that women prefer a larger, uh, longer maybe girthier cock right that's their like belief is and that's kind of the reason why they want one as well is because they think women want a bigger um penis in, in kind of all all respects um and so i think there's like a lot of value in going well actually instead of asking what do all women prefer how about asking what the woman that you're with prefers you know and um and then if you know for example because i know there are women that prefer a longer maybe girthier or, or a different you know sized penis um than the one that you might have and so that's it's like okay, well, how can we have a conversation around then of satisfying that desire or that that um, fantasy even of of uh, a specific size penis, for example? And and I know obviously it's a little bit harder if you're going from longer to shorter, but there's things you can do to go from shorter to longer um, with regards again to to toys, penis sleeves, you know, using other types of things that you can. Um, incorporate into a sexual experience that add girth or that add um, width and depth and things like this as well. So um, you know, there's always there's always things that you can add in. It's just about being open enough and, and I suppose being aware of those things as well. I think a lot of guys don't really know that penis sleeves, for example, exist if their partner wants to experience something that's got a bit more girth, for example, or if they're wanting a bit more depth, there's some sleeves you can add on in that um, in, with that regard as well. So um, yeah, is that something you've you've come across with regards to to women? I suppose I'm asking from that perspective of women wanting a specific type of of cock or a penis on their partner. Yeah, the the funny thing is, right? So there is, like you said, there's this misconception that all women want a really big, long, thick cock. Okay, in reality, that probably terrifies a lot of women because if you don't know how to use that cock properly, you are just going to cause a hell of a lot of pain, right? 
So a lot of women, just as men, you know, have different sizes and shapes, our vaginal canals are all quite different as well. So, you know, whereas one woman might have quite a long, you know, I'm doing hand motions here that people listening won't be able to see. So, you know, they might have a longer vaginal canal. Others might have a shorter vaginal canal. Like there is just, there's so much that goes into it. So the idea that one size fits all is, is very wrong, I suppose. Like, and interestingly enough, a lot of women that I have worked with or speak with, it all comes down to the passion and the energy, right? So when you meet somebody, you don't get to see their penis straight away or, or their, their vulva or whatever else. Like you're meeting them, you're forming a connection with them and you're deciding whether you want to have sex with them based on that connection that you make, that energy that you're creating within each other. So when you get into the bedroom, if you've already done a good job at forming this basis for whatever relationship it is, whether it is a one night stand or a a fling, a hookup, a relationship long-term, whatever, if you've created that energy and that buildup of tension, and then you go into the bedroom, knowing how to use your cock for whatever it is, and you're not afraid to kind of, I suppose, experiment and experience different things like different positions, using your hands, using toys, talking, communicating through the process, the sex is going to be good. It doesn't matter if you've got a long cock, short cock, thick, thin, whatever else. It's for women, we don't even typically think of that stuff. Like once again, I think that's porn that's could have kind of got that in, you know, men's heads that we care about the size of your dick. It's it's not necessarily true. For some women, maybe, but the majority that I have spoken with or worked with um, really just want to have that beautiful chemistry above all things. They want to feel wanted, validated, excited. They want someone who's not afraid to touch them and play with them and pleasure them and maybe take a little extra time or slow things down. And if you're showing us that you really care about our pleasure in the moment as well, that's a huge turn on for us. So we're not going to be stuck on, oh, he's got a big dick or a little dick or this, you know, that's just not how most women think. Um, yeah. So I think it's, it's quite strange that there is still this misconception of big, thick dick is best. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. And I, I think that, you know, we, we've said it a few times and it is a little bit cliche, but it's so important is that communication piece, right? It's like yeah. asking your partner, does that feel good? What do you enjoy? You know, just checking in with them and being like, is this actually pleasurable for you? If I am pumping hard and fast like a bloody robot, you know, are, are you enjoying that? And, and sometimes that is enjoyable and that's kind of what you want, but other times it's not. And, and so being able to have that, uh, I, I teach a lot of guys about um, spontaneity, which is kind of like flexibility and creativity, you know, being able to be a bit creative with what it is that you're doing and have that kind of little bit of curiosity to try something new and then to be flexible if something's kind of not working you know did you put all your eggs in the missionary position basket you know and if that's not available or if that's not what you know is kind of feeling really pleasurable do you have the flexibility to go hey well you know let's try this instead and, and maybe not only physical flexibility but also kind of like um I don't know, uh, energetic flexibility as well to be like, hey, I'm just going to roll with this and you know, let's you know, keep it lighthearted and not get so serious because that position didn't work, you know, particularly. So, um, so having that communication is is so important. Um, and yeah. there's um, oh, something that you were sharing. Oh, yeah, it's like um, the the saying that I always come back to is, um, and you you touched on this. It's about you know taking a, a bit more time, you know, focusing on pleasure. Uh, is it's not the size of the ship. And it's not the motion of the ocean. It's whether the captain stays in port long enough for everyone to get off. And uh, yeah. that's 
like that. That's the whole, like, I love that cliched saying because it's like, it's, it is, it's just about like spending the time experiencing pleasure, right? And, and you can experience pleasure regardless of how big your dick is, regardless of how, um, you know, how long or short your partner's vaginal canal is, you know, or how big or small their breasts are or whatever else is kind of going through your mind with regards to like what your body looks like and what you think it can and can't do. You can still experience pleasure. There's still ways of experiencing pleasure. Um, it's just about having the, I, I guess like curiosity is the thing that I always come back to is having the curiosity to explore what it is that you find pleasurable. Um, and yeah, definitely. is there, um, with regards to that, with regards to curiosity and, and having that um, kind of vulnerability to go into those those spaces of exploring something new, is there advice that you give to, to men particularly about that? Yeah, well, I think that the advice I generally give, so men and women work very differently as far as how we get turned on as well. So, you know, for women, we kind of get more turned on in this heart space. And for men, it's more physical, I suppose. So, I always suggest to men that, you know, it's going to take the woman probably on average about 10 to 15 minutes at least longer than it's going to take you to be physiologically ready for penetrative sex. So try things like non-sexual touch, massage, that kind of thing. Um, Kiss a little bit longer, kiss a little bit deeper, you know, just try new things. So step out of your comfort zone a little bit and, and focus on really loving the body Um, loving her body, loving all parts of her. And even if you're in a one night stand scenario, when I say the word loving, it doesn't mean you have to be in love with this person. It's just taking the time to really appreciate what is in front of you and who is in front of you and and play around. Like think of each other as a playground. And it's like that song, your body is a wonderland, you know, just really enjoy all parts of it. And, And don't be scared. I think that I know particularly with the women I work with in this aspect, we have so much fear, which may come from past traumas or past experiences, I suppose, that we've not worked through, of letting go. And I think that you can't fully enjoy the experience and pleasure until you do let go. So take a little bit more time to be flexible with that as well. Like you said, you know, talk, open up the communication streams, just try not to let that fear take over what could be a really beautiful experience. Um, And I think, yeah, when I work with men, it's about letting them know that that is okay from their perspective as well. You know, it's okay to ask questions like, are you enjoying this? Does this feel good? Would you prefer this? And, you know, picking up on body cues as well. So if a woman starts drying up, so to speak, perhaps maybe this position is not feeling so good for her. Maybe we need to try something else. Or if you can kind of feel her grimacing a little bit as you're thrusting, slow it down, pull it back a little bit, go a little softer you know just picking up on those cues and really trying to open up the communication stream that's basically the starting piece of advice that I give for any of my clients when it comes to you know creating better sex mm, amazing and and you touched on something there which I think is like really valuable information which is like the way that I suppose a male body person versus a female body person tends to get aroused and turned on and and so something that i often share with guys as a general rule of thumb obviously this doesn't apply to everyone but it's just a good thing to be aware of is and i think because a lot of guys are hyper focused on their on their cock or on their on their penis right what it looks like getting pleasure with it providing pleasure with it is because that's that that's what they focus on a lot they often focus on penetration quite quickly or they'll they'll focus on their their partner's genitals, her her vulva, her vagina, you know, quite early on, quite quickly. 
um, because that's what they do to themselves, right? That's what they focus on on their own body without kind of realizing or recognizing that there is a bit of a difference and it's important to uh, build up or build towards the genitals, you know, spending 10, 15 minutes doing some massage. You know, I don't like the word foreplay, but that kind of rings true for a lot of people is like, you know, do the, do those foreplay quote unquote um, practices where you're, you're including non genital stimulation or non-sexual touch and you're building that arousal you're building that pleasure. Um, and, and advice that I often give to women is the reverse of that, which is, um, which is, pretty much go straight for his cock, build that around yeah. quickly and then move it through the rest of his body. Um, otherwise you get a bit of a mismatch of touch and sensation where you've got a guy going straight for her genitals and her going, well, slow down. It's too quick. Um, and, and uh, a woman maybe, you know, trying to build arousal and sensation in his body and him going, what are you doing? My, my cock's right here. You know, there's, yeah. you know, it let's, let's speed it up. Um, so learning that you know the way that you experience arousal and pleasure um, is is slightly different for the most part. Again, general rule of thumb here um, is a really valuable piece of information to know when you are starting to create that sexual chemistry and that sexual experience with one another. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think that I know. Well, even for me personally, if if we're if my husband and I are engaging in sex and and he goes straight for the you know my my vulva or my boobs even. I'm just like, oh, no, go away. Like it, it's almost a turn off because the rest of me is not really in that space of play yet. Whereas, yeah, for him, if I try and give him a massage, he'll just fall asleep, you know? It's, it has to be, it's, it's almost the complete opposite. Whatever you like, do the opposite of that to the, to the person that you're with if they're of the opposite sex. Yeah. I often, um, I often hear people say, you know, um, you know, the, the golden rule, which is what treat others the way you want to be treated, right? And, and people like unknowingly or unwittingly apply that same rule to touch and pleasure. And it's like pleasure someone else the way that you want to be pleasured. And it's like, well, is that a really a great rule of thumb to have? Because, you know, if you're touching like the example we just gave, if you're a guy and you go straight for your cock when you're masturbating and that's the way that you get really turned on and then you try and do that to your partner, most of the time they're going to go, well, that's a bit too quick and like, well, slow down and it's a bit of a turn off to go straight for penetration. So the golden rule isn't, you know, touch others the way that you want to be touched. It's touch others the way they want to be touched and ask them, yeah. ask them what turns them on, ask them if you need to slow down or if you need to speed up or, you know, what else is going on for them in that moment so that you can actually be attuned to um, their pleasure and what it is that turns them on and what it is that, that gets them off as well as what, what doesn't get them off as well. That's a really important piece of the puzzle to be aware of. It's like, what are your partner's limitations and boundaries and turn offs as well? And just be mindful of those. Um, but it all comes from, from asking, right? It all comes from... Yeah. And, and, also and I think an important part of that, sorry, I think an important part of that as well is that, like you said before, is all forms of sex have their place. So, you know, one day you may be in the mood to just bang really hard and really fast and that's what gets you off. The next day you may feel like, you know, taking things really slow and, and lovemaking, that kind of thing. So this is where communication becomes extremely important and getting on the same page too, so that you know, both parties understand what each other wants and what they need in that moment and uh, that each moment is going to be different as well. Yeah, totally. I think there's also a, um, and, and maybe we'll have to we'll have to do a round two conversation here on another podcast, but there, I think there's like this um, belief that I think a lot of guys have of what women 
want from the, like the sexual experience as well. Like we, t- we talked about the mechanics of it and a lot of guys think that they need to be you know, bigger and longer and larger and girthier and all that sort of stuff. There's that mentality. But I also think there's another mentality of like, oh, I need to just go hard and fast and be dominant and be assertive and be, you know, real penetrative and, and, you know, um, and, and that, that's what all women want. Right. And that, that that's, what's going to get them off. And again, we can probably blame porn for that as well, because that's the type of sex that's portrayed in, in porn. And oftentimes in a lot of movies as well, it's like really not very sensual or very creative or, or diverse. Um, there's not a lot of variety. It's quite, you know, um, penetration oriented and, and almost only in that missionary style, um, so I think there's like, again, with that communications, like, you know, asking, you know, can we change positions? Can we try this? Can we, can we, you know, go with this instead and see how that goes and, and not take things so seriously. And if it doesn't work, if the position is not, you know, um, conducive to pleasure or it's not as pleasurable as you thought it might be just going, cool. I, you know, I welcome that. You know, we, we tried something new, didn't necessarily work. Cool. Let's, let's move on to something else. We learned something new about ourselves. We learned something new about that position and, and our pleasure and just having that like, um, yeah, just having the the capacity to to learn things with regards to sex. I think there's a, a big um, a big belief for men, at least I know, um, particularly that they need to know everything about sex and that to admit that they don't, to admit that they need to learn something is like quite a big blow to their ego. So, um, so yeah, just having that um, capacity to, to learn things and, and to explore, I think is really, really valuable. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Well, I am... Um, I'm just mindful of time. I'm wondering, is there any other little golden nuggets or piece of, pieces of advice that you'd like to share for, for, for men, I suppose? That's what the, the conversation was about. Yeah, I mean, I think that the biggest piece of advice or something that I've learned is that, well, like we said, men and women are very different. So, you know, quite often we'll misunderstand each other unintentionally. Um, so just be mindful of you know, if, if your woman's acting really needy and clingy and stuff like that, it's not necessarily that she might just be being a bitch, you know, maybe there's something else that she's not able to express. So open up that communication with her. Don't be, don't be afraid to ask questions of your woman as well. I think for me personally, that was a huge learning curve as far as my husband not being afraid to ask me what's wrong or what do I need and stuff and, and vice versa. Women should do the same for men because I think we misunderstand men a lot, probably even more so than men misunderstand us. Um, yeah. So I just don't be afraid of people. Don't be afraid to ask questions and tell people what you want and what you desire and, you know, have a little bit of a fun with it as well. I think that sex and pleasure should be fun because otherwise what's the point, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. I, I always say, you know, call me crazy, but I think sex is supposed to be pleasurable. And if it's not, yeah. <laughs> doing something else um thank you so much Arnie, for for spending an hour with me um just chatting and talking about this amazing service that you're offering like i said i'm, I'm a big fan of it i think it's in it, it's such a good idea so thank you so much for speaking into it today 